Welcome to the Restart Radio Show, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we do not focus on those new shiny, shiny things to buy. We focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift in behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. And our monthly community repair events here in London called Restart Parties are just the beginning. My name is Janet Gunter, and I'm joined by Ugo Volaudi. Hello. And we're co-founders of the Restart Project. And today we're also joined by Tan Yen, who is a longtime Restart volunteer. Hey. Um, so yeah, in this episode, I'm going to question Ugo and Ten about clutter. Stuff. Oh too, my. Too much stuff. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> and this is going to be all through the lens of someone, some of you may have heard of, uh, a Japanese guru of decluttering called Marie Kondo. Um, but first, uh, we'd like to start with a bit of a tribute to someone who's quite important in our field and some sad news. Um, this week, physicist Sir David McKay died at the age of 48. Um, he was known... Um, for his research and for his writing, uh, his book, Sustainable Energy Without the Hot Air, caught, um, was, was very influential, and he taught at Cambridge University. He also served as uh, the chief scientific advisor to the Department of Energy and Climate Change. And um, you may think that's a little bit, well, far away, removed from our topic of consumption and gadgets and things. But he uh, reflected on that role as advisor and some of the challenges he faced. And he actually talked, he addressed some of our issues quite directly. Um, So Ugo's going to read a quote from him. One difficult challenge is the way in which economic activity and growth currently is coupled but to buying lots of stuff and then throwing it away. When a fridge, clothes washer or microwave develops a fault, we throw it away instead of repairing it. The whole system could use significantly less energy if we design things to last, if we only bought things we need to use, if we use them for their full life, repairing them when necessary, and then disassemble them carefully so that components could be reused. Yeah, so um, McKay quite eloquently drew attention and in quite a mainstream way um, that was actually cited in the Telegraph newspaper to an issue that we're talking about a lot and I think doesn't get so much attention, which is definitely this issue of embodied energy and the things that we use and discard. Um, and Earth Day is coming up on Friday, um, and today we we also launched a new video to bring some of these issues to life. And the video features uh, a trip to a mountain of electronic waste that I visited um, in a recycling facility in Kent. And um, not just the mountain of electronic waste, but we contrast that with some of the community repair that we do um, And to say that this trip to the recycling facility, I mean, it definitely had me thinking about the mass of stuff that we use and discard. Um, The video doesn't quite do it justice. Like, it was very kind of, I don't know, emotive and strange, strange. I actually had a very emotional reaction just to seeing stuff treated like raw materials, like the stuff that I recognize as things that would have been in my house just crushed and swept aside and moved by these gigantic machines Um, and another thing that got me thinking about clutter Ugo is that we recently had to rearrange our office right yes (laughs) and uh, rearranging comes with lots of caveats including your storage space is somewhat reduced and you're confronted with 
actually choosing the things to keep or the things to throw away. And yeah, I'm not that good at this, which is probably why this is a good topic for me personally, but also for us as the Restore Project. You know, sometimes you do keep parts or bits that uh, used to belong to a gadget, but could be reused differently. Yeah. Well, and your drawers... Your desk drawers are a bit of a horror. Let's just, two, that's a running joke. Two out of three, I, I invite you to inspect them, have uh, <laughs> passed the KonMari method test. Okay. Yeah. Probably. So this brings us to the main part of the show, which but is. But before, before yeah. I, we should point our listeners to the actual video. Where is this new video that Restart is launched? Uh, yes. Um, yeah. Before you get on to Marie Kondo, you can watch <laughs> uh, me look at this mountain of electronic waste on the Restart project. Dot org. Thank you. Um, and so, okay, so before it becomes a mountain of waste, um, we buy it and we have it in our houses, right? So this episode is going to be a little bit about, uh, well, it's going to be, we're, I was joking on Twitter, it's a decluttering divan. So we're going to have Ten and Ugo uh, talk about the stuff that they have, uh, the joy and angst it may bring them. And um, I guess I'm serving a bit as your therapist, analyst, I don't know. <laughs> so um, both Ten and Ugo have read parts of the famous Marie Kondo book that we're going to talk about. Or most, yes. Okay. okay. And Ugo, you actually bought this book, correct? Yes, don't hold it against me. I didn't get it as a second hand, which would have been totally in line with parts of her philosophy, as okay. we'll explore. And what's the book called? Can you share yes. it? The book is called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And allegedly she sold three million copies of this book. And uh, Marie Kondo is the inventor of the KonMari method to tidying once and forever your life or your possessions. And before we get into the nitty gritty, I'd like to just uh, play a tiny audio clip from a lecture she gave. それはとっても simple プルで強力なたった一つの法則です。So it's a very simple yet strong rule. それはときめくものだけ残すというものです。You only have to keep the things that spark joy. Spark joy. Wow. Okay. So. That's a pretty strong rule to start out with, um, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. And actually, you know, there's so many levels at which we can analyze uh, her uh, philosophy or her method. And uh, at one level, certainly it reminded me of um, the new materialism that we had come across about um, the manifesto for loving the stuff you buy uh, more and wanted to keep them for longer. And in that respect, I think it's important not to have too much stuff, otherwise you can't uh, focus or concentrate or even maintain the stuff you have for as long as possible. You just end up lost in stuff. Okay. So well, there is a point to declutter in a sense. I think there's some irony with this the sparking or keeping the things that spark joy, especially in Ten's case, because I believe that he received the book as a present. Is I that did. correct? Yeah, I, did it. <laughs> I think it, it's important to remember that if it wasn't in the bestseller list, it'd be in the self-improvement section. So it was given to me as a, as a suggestion to improve my life. Which was a, uh, which is uh, was given by a very good friend. Yeah. Okay, and did it spark joy for you? Um, 
Uh, I'm I'm having problems implementing the uh, the ad- <laughs> the advice that's given. Um, I think there's the the other the trend the book follows is a, a huge minimalist trend, which I mean, in self improvement circles that's you know the pe- there's people living without anything apparently, and I find I find this is slightly dubious. Uh, in the end, we need our tools. We need a certain certain few things around us. So living without anything, someone has to keep the things that are useful so the people who are living without anything they're going to someone's house then yeah they're renting someone else's airbnb so well and also with you tan i mean i know that you're uh you you dive into skips and you reuse things a lot and i was thinking about it because actually i think that process of of Finding discarded things that have meaning or value that actually brings you joy in and of itself. Correct? <laughs> that does. That's, that's a problem. That the, find, the finding is quite often more more joyful than the actual use. If- okay. It's funny because uh, in the book, Marie Kondo mentioned to the advice she gave to one of her clients, and that she sh- all the tidying up, the massive decluttering should happen far removed from the eyes of any other family member because if mm. not, someone will jump in and say, oh, you're really getting rid of this. Uh, how about I'll keep it if you're not using it? And she claims that that will result in more cluttering of stuff that wouldn't receive any joy or any hmm. additional so use. people enable their, each other's cluttering. Yeah, and you know, I think there's definitely some merit in some of the suggestions she, she gives, but there's also something that to me, as soon as I read it, sparked not joy, but outrage. So, for example, she claims that we shouldn't um, own more than 30 books at any given time and that the right time to read a book is the time when you just bought it. If you miss that opportunity, you might as well just throw it away. And, you know, I think... That is not just extreme. And I think I stand by the fact that the books I own are part of who I am. And there's no discussion about decluttering that can make me change. Okay, but she might argue that your bookshelf is useless. joy. No, she might argue that the actual existence of your bookshelf, of all of the books that you have at once, one time enjoyed together, sparks joy. Yeah, is she that, defines she... Uh, the people like us, I guess, as those that keep studying and so they need all this extra paper. She doesn't really understand why is it that people hold on to paper related objects. Yeah, so and you were you were also saying that she encourages people to uh, get rid of service manuals or any manuals related to the functioning of any of the things that they buy because that's just clutter. So it's interesting because, yeah, she she claims that, you know, we should keep obviously warranties of uh, all kinds of devices all together. And, you know, she goes in a huge um, level of precision on how we should keep things and how we should tidy them up or even fold the socks and whatever. So she claims that warranties should be all kept together. But everything else from the CDs that came with your device to the whole packaging of a device and the manual of any electrical and electronics that you own should be just discarded because, and one of those points is again probably a little bit dubious, it's easier anyway to go to a pro in a shop and ask them as opposed to finding the solution to your problem in a manual. Interesting. Now hmm. we. I wonder what computer she's got. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's there is some merit to the fact that a lot of um, ser- well, a lot of manuals 
happen to be available on the internet anyway, maybe updated versions, except, and this is one of our concerns all the time, the service manuals, which should be made available to people in general, rarely, very, very rarely are, unless you go and scavenge them from strange Russian websites. So, okay, so this brings me to my, my one of my questions um, about, so when you were talking about her, I have only, I confession, I have only... Uh, glanced at her books in airport bookstores and yeah had a bit of the reaction that ten did which is like another self-help book you know um but my question is more okay so there are plenty of things that we need in our lives that don't spark joy that have utility that we need to do things so i mean and, and and this you know in relation to the manuals same thing i mean and ten mentioned that a little bit i mean what where I, I was just really curious about her take on, you know, things that have utility that just, you know, make life work, but do not spark joy. Yeah, in that case, she suggests um, for some of them, particular electricals, like how, small appliances, that it's important to keep them out of the way as much as possible. So you put them in a big cupboard and then you only get them out when you actually need them. And, you know, she might she might have a point but i think yeah she in this decluttering i I fear that we might find ourselves less able to survive if we go too too far Hmm. yeah that reminds me i was visiting a friend of mine's uh, new yorker's kitchen um just you know this is small i guess you could call it a one bedroom um and she had that she had the i remember she had the toaster like uh stored away i thought that was kind of interesting um and just only the essentials were kind of within eyesight or within reach in the kitchen. So. Yeah, I mean, she has some interesting points. And uh, let's say, for example, she says that if you have a lot of cables for appliances that you don't even know what these cables are exactly for, you might as well want to throw them away. And uh, in the end, she says it's easier to just go and buy another one when you need it, right? And me- That's troubling. It's a bit troubling. Mm-hmm. And then I'll read one more sentence that will spark not so much joy in restarters listening. Um, I often come across broken TVs and radios in my clients' homes. Obviously, there is no need to keep these. If you too have broken appliances, see this as an opportunity to contact your local recycler and get rid of them. Okay, but now, she does mention recycling. It's probably the only time Barely. in the whole book that she talks about recycling. But still, you know, the, the fact that repairing and giving something a second life is not really part of her set of values. Well, in, okay, so to say that, I know, that, you know, Japan is on my radar because they have a very thorough system for dealing with electronic waste. They're very responsible about it. Um, but it, it's, and it strikes me as odd that it only gets one mention. And then reuse. So I wanted to ask uh, Tan about, like, it seems as though she has no real allowance for the idea that things could be reused or given a second life or or repurposed. It seems that that things only have one utility or one use and that's to spark joy and if they don't they get (laughs) they just get swept out. There's it's uh, it's with there's no mention of our inner circle of the circular economy. There. Yeah. There's no no mention yeah, at all. Yeah, it's so it's the repair and, re- and reuse is kind of ignored. And the other question I had was like whether in whether uh, she would believe in sharing, for example, like so if there especially in what relates to the things that don't spark joy but that bring utility, whether she has some 
you know, whether her minimalist attitude would then translate into, okay, like a, a tool library or something like that. Or, or just even a library. Maybe libraries aren't being shut down <laughs> where she's living. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't really find much of a mention of a sharing ethos in, in there. And, uh, you know, in fact, <laughs> just uh, to infuriate our listeners a bit further, I, I'll just read a quote about what to do with spare buttons. So she claims that you should never keep spare buttons because anyway, in most cases, um, when a button falls off, it's a sign that that particular shirt or blues has well has been well worn and loved and has now reached the end of its life. So... Whoa. It's that's Whoa, quite shocking. That's, that's, that's <laughs> you know, very extreme. I mean, she says that for things that you really want to keep for longer, you should uh, keep the button, the spare buttons uh, in the lining of the actual jacket. But she doesn't see wow, that. Wow, that is a, very extreme. Yeah, I mean, let, let's give it a bit of benefit of doubt because honestly, I've learned something uh, reading this book and it, which kind of translates to not just tidying up our analog lives but also our digital lives if you think about it you know so many of the people that come to restart parties that have clogged computers um, it's often because they are not even aware of how much files how many files and gigabytes of space they're still occupying with stuff that they no longer need and learning to 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 make the most of your existing space or your existing devices has to do also with knowing how to manage them and getting rid of stuff when you no longer need it. So in a sense, I okay. need to... You're listening to Restart Radio on Resonance 104.4 FM. And we're talking about decluttering and the um, the famous Japanese decluttering guru Marie Kondo. Um, just to say that also I, I have, you know, so as I said, I have a notion that Japan is very good at recycling. Um, I, we're not saying that this is all Japanese people or like a Japanese way of this is a particular person. Um, one of our Japanese volunteers, he introduced us to this concept of motanai, which is this uh, uh, very, I think, quite widely held uh, feeling of it's shame in the face of waste. So shame when waste occurs around someone or someone is implicated in waste. And I think that's probably much more widely held, um, maybe cultural value per se. Hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how... Was that how, what were you feeling at the disposal? Well, the yeah. Thing? And I mean, exactly. When, you, when, you, when I stand in front of that mountain of e-waste, it is like a, it's a feeling, you know, it's not just a kind of oh, this kind of, this rational response to this thing. It's actually a feeling, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, and there is something there, you know, she mentions uh, the mountains of clothes that finally help you realize how many clothes you have. And if you think about all the gadgets that you might have put aside or the small appliances you no longer use, but you haven't really dealt with or you're not acknowledging, if e-waste at neighborhood level was actually something publicly visible. We talked in the past about you and I, Janet, about having visible displays of the things that we throw away street by street as opposed to having it hidden in a recycling center. That will probably spark some additional reflection on making the most of things and thinking twice at times before buying. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna probably close out this episode with some more reflections um, fr from a different part of the world, right? So, uh, uh, Ugo and Ten, you were at an event on Friday at the V&A Museum. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and who was there? 
Yeah, so the event uh, was called Dreaming of Zero Waste and it featured a conversation with repair experts or people involved in the repair world from the UK and Kenya for the first half of the event, followed by a restart party, which was quite well attended with various degree of success in repairing things and challenges that we've all had. But yeah, the first part was probably the more interesting for us as it was questioning what happens in different economies uh, with repairing things. What did you think about uh, the conversations with Kenya? It is very, very interesting for me, I think, because you've been in Kenya before, so you may have seen some of the, how, how the market operates in Kenya. But the, uh, for me, I, great admiration for the tenacity of the repairs going on with uh, very minimal tools. Like I, in my research with Restart, we, we talk about, you know, what, how, what, what tools you might need to uh, bring to a party or to operate a, uh, a professional repair service. So in the West, we're talking about, um, you know, like, uh, for uh, um, cleaning phones that have been dropped in water. So they're talking about using um, uh, vibrational devices, but there on the video, there's a guy just replacing a jack with a massive soldering iron. I would balk at using something so big, but he, he, he just went for it. So he's using very simple tools. He's uh, uh, going back to what we were just talking about. His workspace is quite messy. There are a lot of parts around him and he was just going through phones and fixing them. Yeah, so the event started with a video portraying how the, the working space of a Kenyan uh, typical Nairobi repair shop operates. And one of the things that st stuck, stuck with me uh, is how one of the key tools for these guys working on phones is a very long thumb nail. They allow for their nail to grow nice incredibly, the... incredibly long. I'd, I'd say it's at least one and one and a half inch longer than your normal nail. And they use that as opposed to the guitar pick to open the devices. So you have like a half cyborg, half natural solution to opening all kinds of mobile phones. And that's, that was an interesting point. And also that where they get access to their parts, um, there seems to be a much more collaborative approach where the community of repair shops actually share among themselves extra spare parts that might be needed. So let's say you replace the screen and a mobile phone and you also end up replacing other parts that you don't need but are not necessarily broken. And people, the informal economy is more efficient than, than our economy at reusing parts that would otherwise be discarded. That's really fascinating. Yeah, well, and, and, and in some way, it's a minimalist. It, it allows for more minimalist approach that maybe it would allow for fewer parts to have to be in stock in each shop if they can... Exactly. Yeah. And actually, then there was a question about what amount of electronic waste they generate uh, in their work. And uh, the repairer said that it's incredibly minimal, uh, close to zero. And the, just the few bits they generate and don't end up as waste because they're resold straight away to Chinese traders based in Kenya that end up reusing them, probably exporting them somehow back to China for reuse. Or wow. 
So it was very interesting. There was something that actually connects us with the theme of the decluttering. And at one point, one of the panelists from Nairobi asked the audience here in London, how come uh, we as Europeans keep sending them so much stuff in a way we... We are seen, he said, as potential role model, and yet we seem to be flooding them with all this stuff that we no longer want. And at times it's needed, at times not. And uh, yeah, it was interesting that we were confronted with the reality of how at times for us decluttering means sending for goodwill to another place as stuff that we just don't want to see anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know with clothing, that's a real concern is, you know, that are when you give clothes away, are you actually kind of contributing to dumping of, of clothes in other markets where they could be potentially creating their own clothes? Um, but I think, uh, well, it seems to me that uh, that they have that there's a really interesting voice and critique from from these these repairers and that in a way it would be easy for us just to assume that a repair workshop or repair practice looks the same especially when you're working on the same devices you know you'd think oh okay so maybe that guy has a different soldering iron but in the end of the day it's quite uh, similar but actually it sounds like what you're saying is that the you know that like the, the, the actual structure of that economy that repair economy is quite different than than what we have here I guess the the communal aspect, which I think is something that is worth investigating and learning more about, is a more uh, in-person substitute to the eBay economy that we experience here, uh, where you know people might be just a few buildings away, and so there is more of a joint approach to fixing problems. And actually, that also um, another point they made was about how they learn about how to fix a certain product. So at times it's one person from one of the shops that will sort that out and experience it firsthand. And then other people apparently learn from each other. So there is That's really interesting. a more communal approach. But which... that reminds me a little bit. Okay, so Ten, you're a member of the Hackspace. And I imagine some of that happens in Hackspaces and Makerspaces. is kind of, well, sharing of resources, sharing of learning as well. It, uh, there's a, going back to the color, there's, there's a continual argument about what stuff we should keep and what stuff we should throw away. I think you need some junk for creativity and spare parts. Uh, the other thing from Kenya, there's less hyper-consumerism. I think when someone, they were paying cash, cash in advance for their, for their item, so they, their, the, the costs weren't spread out and they weren't invisible. So when someone did purchase an item, they kept it. And they and they looked after it, and then it was and it was valued more, so they did get it repaired. And then the if it really didn't work, and so there were less vanity repairs. I think we see quite a lot of people with a slightly cracked screen, which to us is we feel oh no, this is a cracked screen, how terrible! They're a cracked screen. They're going to if it works, they're going to continue using it until it's unusable. Then they may get it repaired, and then when it can phone completely dies then they may sell it sell it for spare parts so there's, yeah, there's seems more like, of a local mm -hmm. life cycle sure and the resource efficiency is just is kind of hardwired into everything and, and that really begs further question of whether our model based on constant upgrades pushed to you by some of the mobile networks tend to reduce our 
true perception of what is the costs and the implications. But of also, just to say that, Ugo, you and I, we both know we have friends in, uh, in you know, should we say, emerging economies that are the biggest fanboys ever and that love consuming and love, you know, kind of getting the new thing, discarding. And I mean, increasingly, that is kind of the scenario. It's you a know. status issue as well. Yeah. And, and yeah. Aspirational at times. But yeah, yeah there's a bit of both uh, mentalities at play. So um, you've been listening to Restart Radio on Resonance 104.4 FM. Um, we have a women's skills share this evening in Borough, and there's a couple of spots left if you want to come. Uh, if you want to come and learn how to make a circuit and how to uh, fix lamps, that will be with me and some friends in uh, the Good Life Center in Borough this evening. You can find out details on our website, therestartproject.org. We also have a restart party coming up tomorrow at the South London Makerspace in Hearn Hill. Um, you can come and get help with fixing anything with a battery or that plugs in. And we want to make a special thank you today to, for our new intro, uh, which, which has been a collaboration of OptoNoise, who make music with lasers, and Cassini Sound, our friends um, in our makerspace in Somerset House, Makerversity. Um, well, until next week, uh, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook, and see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.